Welcome to episode 10 of season two of Into the Metaverse. This is going to be a really interesting conversation on tap for you today, our listeners. And, you know, this is something that that's that's close to me personally, having lived in Hong Kong for three years. But it's something that a lot of people in the West haven't talked enough about. Um, and that's really what the growth of the metaverse in China is going to look like. You know, obviously, the Internet as it currently exists today is splintered. And so this opens the possibility and, and let's be honest, the probability that China's metaverse will develop on a parallel yet independent path from the rest of the world. Here to give us unique insights into the China metaverse are two fantastic guests with Yon and myself. I'll try to add insight based on my time spent in HK covering the China market as well. So first we have Alex Xu, the CEO of Multimetaverse Inc., a leading animation company in China. Alex was previously the CEO of Leiyu Technologies, a China-based game maker that was sold to Tencent in late 2020 for $1.5 billion dollars. And he's worked with other leading companies, including Chihu 360, Perfect World, Giant Interactive, and Electronic Arts. He holds an MA in Precision Instrument Design in VR from Tsinghua University and an MBA from the Chinese University, Hong Kong. We also have with us Nina Sheng. Nina is a renowned author, award-winning journalist, and an expert on the Chinese venture capital and technology sector with nearly 20 years of professional financial and business media experience. She's a speaker at major conferences and summits and appears frequently in a range of international media, including the BBC, CNN, Financial Times, and CGTN. She currently writes columns for the Nikkei Asia and Forbes, in addition to serving as an advisor consultant to leading international organizations. Welcome, Alex and Nina. So before Hi, we, so before be we dive in, we have a brief announcement from our friends at Roundhill Investments. Okay, so after that mouthful of introductions and ads, we're going to jump right into it. So our favorite first question that we like to ask all of our guests as we seek to build an evolving consensus among leaders in the metaverse space as to just what the metaverse is and what it's not. So Alex, maybe we'll go to you first. For you, for your company, your building, your, your perspective being based in China and having worked at companies there, how do you see just what the metaverse is? Nice to be here. Um, I agree. Uh, we're, we're having more consensus on the uh, concept, the definition of metaverse uh, uh, around uh, the world right now. But uh, I still see uh, we have more and more versions of uh, definitions is making it more detailed and uh, more complicated. I still see a lot of people holding wrong understanding because there are too many definitions and e within each definition we have too many aspects or, or some too many features. Uh, too many, uh, too many people are trying to define metaverse in their own way, to promote their own business, and um, we have some, some, some. Uh, uh, I see the most common uh, confused concept is uh, people cannot tell the difference with the metaverse and virtual world, which I've been doing for half of my life doing games. I, I think gaming business is something we are creating a virtual world for decades already. But it, it seems that a lot of people are, who's not in the gaming space, they, they're talking about metaverse, just like they're talking about games or virtual worlds, which is an old concept. I, I feel if you're talking to, about the metaverse as a new concept, a new term, you, you must have something new instead of just a, a call an old thing virtual world in, in a, uh, using a new concept and using a new word. I think metaverse have to have some link with offline physical world uh, through some uh, a new technology, a new uh, human computer interface, and uh, try to make a virtual world to be able to uh, come into the physical world. That's something I feel the right concept of metaverse. And uh, and it's it's also because of Ready Player One movie is to uh, you know prevail. A lot of people have uh, their imagination on metaverse. You know, uh, refer to that movie that also uh, makes some uh, con uh, confusion. And also, uh, I hear a lot of debate about uh, how crypto economy and Web three uh, are are you know are can you know all you know all messed with this uh, metaverse concept. Some people seems are deliberately explaining this wake new concept in their way to best help them earning money. That's, you know, making it uh, uh, even harder. That, that's my uh, observation. Thank you. 
I think those are really good points. And I think you hit on a lot of key things. Um, before I jump in and, and maybe give my own two cents, Nina, anything you'd like to add in terms of how you just think about what the what the metaverse is? Yes. Um, so it's interesting to listen to a lot of conversations nowadays about people talking about the metaverse without actually, you know, having the consensus on what the metaverse really is. Everyone have different ideas. You know, if you listen to the heads of big tech companies, uh, the head of Google, the head of uh, Microsoft, the head of Meta, the head of Tencent, uh, they all have different ideas of what the metaverse uh, should be focused on. Um, so I think it's really unique uh, in that um, this is a time when we talk about a new technological trend when there is really no agreed um, definition of what the technology really is. You know, that's different with uh internet or artificial intelligence, at least people had a consensus on what this technology uh, is and should be. So metaverse as a, as a concept uh, are still being, um, you know, is still being defined uh, as we move forward, the industry, the participants, the stakeholders are going to define what the metaverse is going to be in the future. But currently we see different forces um, uh, they are uh, trying to shape the metaverse in their own vision. Uh, the big tech has their own visions, and among the big techs, each each of them have their own visions, and the blockchain community had their own visions, um, and then you know different countries have their own ideas. So I I uh, my feeling is that it's going to be a, a quite uh, messy and chaotic uh, process as we you know move towards uh, an eventual metaverse uh, that's going to be hard to define. You know, I, I feel like for 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 a some for some time in the future we're still not going to be able to define what the metaverse really is. But even though there are some common threads that people feel there, you know, they should be components of the metaverse, but how do they uh, come together? What is the uh, you know uh, the, the ultimate uh, presentation of it? Um, that's going to be um, to be decided uh, in the next uh, decades or so. I think you both hit on a lot of good points, Alex. I'll just harken back to when you talked about, you know, really an important part of the metaverse as opposed to the current iteration of the internet is the connecting of the physical and the digital realms. You know, as we as we use technology, this is our season one episode with Mark Petit from Epic Games talking about bridging the physical and the digital with real-time 3D software. You know, Yon and I pre uh, prescribe to the, to the definition of the metaverse that it's the internet powered by real-time 3D. So it's the 3D version of the internet. And and as you also both, I think you both talked about it, it it's device agnostic by nature. I think as Alex was saying, a lot of people confuse VR with the metaverse. There's been a lot of intertangling of those terms or Web3 with, with metaverse. There's a lot of, you know, commingling of these terms. And although these technologies have use cases within the metaverse and although they might, you know, create unique experiences in the metaverse by themselves, they're not the metaverse. And so I think what you're both hitting on is exactly where we're at, that this is a extremely broad concept. It covers a lot. Uh, and, and it's and and, and it, it, no one can have a single narrow view as to just what this is. And I and I will add that you know historically, if you look historically at the internet itself, when it really started to take off in the late '90s and especially in the early 2000s, there was every indication that it took time until there was a consolidation or consensus around what is the internet. And I think I don't think it's any different with with currently with the metaverse and probably. There's some truth to everything that a lot of people are saying, no matter if you're a tiny startup or an artist, a creator, or a big tech, comp a big tech company. Um, I think time will tell how really this um, going to evolve. And, and I suspect that there's going to continue and be a, a wide chatter and conversation on what is really the, 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 the most accurate definition of the, of the metaverse. And ultimately, the applications, the products, the services, the things that are being built, I think ultimately this is what's really going to define the metaverse and how people, consumers, users are thinking about the metaverse when they are inside of it. Uh, and so you know, I think this will continue to be a chatter and a conversation and, and we enjoy continuing to add more and more opinions and, and thoughts and, and sharing our own perspective. Um, 
So thank you for that, both of you. Uh, maybe switching gears to Nina, your book uh, called Parallel Metaverses, and obviously we can cover the whole book in the scope of a podcast, but you know, we think that our listeners are going to genuinely be interested in your, in your you know, expertise here and, and unique perspective. And so how is the metaverse in China is developing differently from the rest of the world? Um, and then also, as a follow-up to that, is there any hope for a more unfragmented global metaverse given the great Chinese firewall and other restrictions in China? You know, but maybe start with the first question, which was, how is the metaverse in China developing differently from the rest of the world? Uh, right. Um, can I can I start answering the second question? Because the Please. answer to that <laughs> to that is rather uh, uh, simpler and uh, more straightforward, which is definitely no. Um, because um, what's happening in China right now, if you uh, look at um, uh, tech regulation. Um, and also the the, the broader uh, macroeconomic and uh, uh, political environment, it looks likely that the um, the, the 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 overall you know um, um, social atmosphere and the the sense of uh, tightening control um, are going to be uh, definitely uh, increasing and uh, heightened. Uh, so if you, you know, if in this environment, in this backdrop, um, it, it's hard to see how, um, you know, how much more likely that China's um, uh, technology sector, especially uh, for something content related, are going to be more open, uh, uh, more, uh, I guess, uh, you know, inter, uh, integrated with uh, the global uh, ecosystem. It seems like China is uh, moving toward a path where, uh, uh, in which it's it's going to be more uh, isolated, uh, more inward looking, and uh, more reliant on its domestic uh, ecosystem. So, um, so that's that's basically um, you know at least how so far uh, things appear to be. Um, moving toward that direction. Of course, it can change in the future. Uh, it's kind of hard to predict how that might change uh, and when. So uh, back to your first question in regards to how China's metaverse will be uh, different from the rest of the world. Um, as I was just explaining about, um, you know, the, this, this very strong sense of change of, um, of direction in China, uh, it definitely feels like um, China's metaverse will be uh, a much more controlled uh, space, uh, especially relating to um, you know a, a control of content and how China's metaverse will be uh, interoperable or uh, open uh, to external um, uh, portals. Um, so no doubt, you know, the big Western companies like uh, Google or Meta's platforms and ecosystem are not going to be operating in China, um, you know, as, as uh, during the past um, uh, one or two decades. So, uh, so aside from that, um, uh, China's metaverse will also be more, um, I guess, have a more limited and narrow um, scope, uh, because I think a lot of perhaps you know um, a lot of controls will be set around uh, some of the applications of the metaverse, such as in the gaming sector. Um, and um, however, China will be much more focused on the to be application of the metaverse so uh, you know enterprise at applications of the metaverse you know including um, uh, digital twins and including how the metaverse could help business to improve their efficiency and productivity so 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 China's China's approach will be I, I feel much more focused on um, an enterprise application uh, and for consumer, there are a lot of uncertainties because 
of all the elements uh, and and um, environment that just environment changes I just mentioned. And another thing is uh, in relating to blockchain, uh, because the blockchain industry in China is quite um, different compared to other parts of the world. Um, you know, NFT is not really NF- NFT in China, and uh, you know, blockchain, especially re- relating to crypto, uh, most of those um, related functions are not allowed in China. So, you know, when you go through the when you when you when you talk about the metaverse in the sense of blockchain and Web three uh, and decentralization, then China will definitely have a very different picture in terms of that part of the metaverse uh, a future path. Thought-provoking. Thank you, Nina. Um, Alex, do you want to add anything on that? Yeah, I, I agree most of the points Nina mentioned. Uh, but on the other hand, I see some, uh, uh, I have some other point of view. Uh, first of all, I agree that we don't think, uh, uh, I don't think we have a way to bypass the Great Firewall. But on the, on the other hand, you should uh, uh, look deeply in, into the uh, uh, Great Firewall. It, it's mostly one-sided, right? So uh, uh, outside China content getting into China is harder, but China content or China service uh, or China professional uh, developers, their content can be easily go outside China to serve for the outside China markets, right? So it, it seems that uh, in China, we have the biggest uh, uh, you know, force, uh, professional de- development force in the whole world to be able to provide content or applications or services for the metaverse, for the, uh, the entertainment world, for the gaming space especially. And, um, and we have the largest uh, population of trained programmers here, uh, a largest uh, population of trained artists here as well. So uh, in terms of building uh, uh, contents in in the in the virtual world uh, for a metaverse uh, i think we we are the biggest potential force to create content to provide services for all over the world not only china but if you design something in china to be uh, from the very beginning designed to be internationally appealing um, you, you can serve not only china audience uh, internally inside the great firewall but also can serve everywhere, uh, a lot of consumers everywhere in the world. Uh, plus, I think the ultimate future of metaverse will be a multi-metaverse anyway. Even we can break uh, all the ge- geographic and ethnic walls, but there still will be partial centralized organization-based walls uh, and at least different metaverse based on different interest groups and different fictions will be exist, coexist there, right? So I don't think uh, some uh, certain firewalls in here and there can, uh, you know, change the whole future multi-metaverse landscape, uh, uh, you know, eventually. That's my view. That's... That's actually a great segue to one of the things you call out, Alex, which was the the talent landscape, the creator sort of movement in China itself. And, you know, one of the things that, at you know, Into the Metaverse, we're really enthusiastic about is the prospect of truly empowering many more creators with real-time 3D tools and in the Metaverse era and turbocharging the creator economy with these additional tools that, you know, up until now have largely been used by mostly professional game developers and, and, and that sort of creators. And so, you know, given the content restriction in China, is a UGC-powered metaverse ever going to reach critical mass, you believe, in China? Um, is it going to continue to be reliant more on professional developers, you think? And, and maybe we can even use the Roblox Lubao example of what Roblox was trying to do with their presence in China that took more of an educational approach to building a UGC platform. Um, so really curious about, you know, Alex, maybe starting with you, your perspective on that. And and Nina, you you, you feel free to add as well after Alex. Uh, 
Yes, I, I think we, we are facing some different level of regula regulations and restriction here in China. Uh, but we we still see there are a lot of uh, Web2 applications are having very good UGC system running there, like Bilibili, uh, Douyin, uh, Douban, uh, uh, Huya, etc. A lot. Uh, you know, on these platforms, uh, we have all, you know, most of the content or 100% of the content are, uh, are creating by the creators. And uh, those are all the huge uh, platforms with uh, un unlimited uh, content creating uh, uh, come out every day or even every second. To some extent, uh, you know, my view is we are even have less restrictions here. Uh, in the content side. L let me give you one example. We are not very sensitive about contents having to take care of all minority groups extremely carefully here. <laughs> that's something people seldom uh, mention, but that's true, right? Um, we're becoming too sensitive, too cautious about that part when you are creating entertainment uh, uh, contents in in us right in in your european countries that that's uh, you know we're more free here again um we can export uh, export our creation power to outside china markets like like i mentioned earlier uh we have the largest creators here in china and, and yes you you mentioned about the education industries yes but i'm not familiar I, i'm just uh uh, spending my whole life doing entertainment related things even roblox is uh, you know some somehow not running so good in china but you know in china in china we have a much bigger problem a pro, a pro platform like uh, mini world uh something like uh, minecraft and uh, we have a lot of uh, uh ugc creations in minute world and uh, it has uh, hundreds of millions of active users in, in that platform uh mm -hmm. quite similar like roblox here mm -hmm. uh i'll add um that i i do agree with alex that uh we will see a, a quite uh vibrant user-generated content um, uh, uh, landscape in China as well because there are a lot of red tapes but I mean you know there are so uh, many different uh, topics and subjects um, and fields that users can explore to create content so so there are there are still going to be lots of spaces for creation um, but in terms of you know uh, so far what we have seen in China there, there hasn't really been a metaverse platform uh, that's really uh, has been released or launched by by companies. Uh, so, you know, look at uh, ByteDance and Tencent. Uh, both of them will have something, um, a platform for user-generated gener content uh, to be released um, perhaps uh, this year uh, or next year. Um, and then uh, we will likely see something similar to what Meta platforms have done in its uh, for its Horizon um, Horizon uh, 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 Horizon World and and the, the suite of prob uh, products it has uh, perhaps minus a part of uh, of um, uh, VR headset uh, for Tencent. I, I feel Tencent's platform could be. Um, you know, could be utilized uh, through different type of user interface, whether it's headset or just your flat screen on your phone or computer. Um, so, so uh, definitely for the next uh, year or so, uh, we will see these platforms, and we're going to see users creating their own world, creating their own avatars, and you know, all the related assets for virtual worlds in China. Um, uh, I, I, I do I do feel uh, in this aspect um, we're likely going to continue to see what has thrived in China during the mobile internet era uh, into the metaverse as well. I think you both hit on some really key points in a couple of your last answers, and it, it does lead me to the next question. So I'm just going to you know ramble for a second. But you know when, when when Nina when you were talking about the focus on enterprise and the focus on international and Alec, you talked about exporting, you know, the the content creation to international markets. You know, we're already kind of seeing that from 
you know, uh, the large internet companies like Tencent and Alibaba, you know, in terms of their focus on cloud and enterprise software, you know, in, the, in their current business. And, you know, we've even seen in the gaming market with Tencent and NetEase. For those that don't know, NetEase was the developer of Diablo Immortal, which just launched with Blizzard and they and Tencent did Call of Duty Mobile with Activision. So we're already seeing, at least in the gaming market, you know, this exporting uh, of talent and content to the global market. It's being quite successful. NetEase is bringing Naraka Bladepoint to Xbox uh, later this year, which is going to be super exciting. So, you know, we're, we're already seeing this start to take place in the current businesses they're in. And I think, as, as you both mentioned, the metaverse will just be a natural extension of that. And tying into my next question, you know, a lot of the strategy shift to focusing on enterprise and, and overseas for these large companies, at least, has also tied into what's happened recently with the regulatory regime in China. And, and you know, we've seen over the last 18 months or so a crackdown on basically every large technology platform in the country, whether that's run by Alibaba, Tencent, or anyone else, you know, there was this gaming specific part of it, but the, the, the regulatory scope of what's happened has been so much broader than gaming this time around versus, you know, in 2018, um, a big part of the, the, the crackdown this time was focused on breaking down the power of walled gardens and, and enabling more interoperability across platforms. You know, I think, for example, one of the big sticking points was enabling we, uh, Taobao links to work in WeChat for the first time. And, you know, this is also a big talking point, discussion point in the metaverse and in terms of how does interoperability work and what does it look like? And so maybe, Alex, I'll go to you first and then and then Nina, feel free to weigh in. But, you know, do you think that we can get to a point where we do have true interoperability, the ability to kind of carry your digital identity across platforms in the metaverse era in China? Or are we going to continue to see kind of these, these quasi-fragmented, you know, corporate metaverse states that that are going to continue to be these walled gardens and, and control the profit pool uh, my view here is uh you know to break the walls between the giant platforms is ben mostly benefiting the uh, you know at least uh from the uh, from the surface you see that's for benefiting the end consumer but you know if you think deep deeper you you will see now we're having multiple platforms on every area not like uh, uh, early days early days we have um, uh, we, we only have tencent uh, on every aspect but now we have the uh, uh, bydance we have bilibili we have a lot of uh, uh, similar uh, uh, platforms are competing with tencent i think the competition are good for uh, for the creators if you're professional if you can uh, create good content, you can be paid handsomely. Uh, uh, you can be benefited by the severe com competitions among those giant platforms. Uh, but the end user eventually will be benefited by uh, more creators being incentivized uh, by the competitions through all among all those giant platforms, and you have more cheaper. Uh, better content from more creators. Uh, I think that's something uh, I, I really don't see the current uh, uh, competitive landscape uh, have anything um, have to be changed fundamentally uh, to serve for the end consumer. Maybe uh, you add this interoperability is not 100% sure to benefit uh, eventually to bend the benefit the consumer because you're not maybe you're not benefiting the content providers uh, that's one of my uh, uh, real point um, I, I think uh, I, I'm not very optimistic on cross-platform traffic to grow very fast uh, or like someone hoped seeing some decentralized structure in the f near future uh, I, I think not not only in China but Everybody in the world, I am not so, you know, optimistic on that. Um, you know, for for a, a, a consumer, uh, uh, you know, use different identity uh, travel from this platform to another platform. I don't think that's too hard uh, from the internet. Just uh, uh, just in a snap, you can you can change. I think it's a multi metaverse future. It's a is is not something uh, too hard for for the consumers they can choose themselves that's my view uh, so i feel like are we losing um the, 
Oh, hello. Oh, can you hear me? I think we lost Yon for a second, but yeah, he's back. For a second, uh, it okay. should be okay. But I'll make yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm back. I'm okay. back. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, though, uh, so the ideal of interoperability is from the consumer standpoint, and the people and the companies behind uh, the products that users use have a different uh, standpoint. So, you know, take it, take the example of ByteDance. It's spending a lot of money on marketing to sell its VR headset, um, the Pico VR headset. And the, the price of the headset is priced um, probably at cost. Um, um, uh, by, you know, different estimates, it's probably around cost. So basically the company is not making money by selling a massive number of the VR headset. And why would a company do that? Of course, um, uh, they're not relying or hoping to make money by selling the headset, but then what else do they want? Of course, they want users uh, to access, um, uh, to, uh, uh, to, to basically use, a, use the VR headset as an entry point uh, to a whole range of uh, virtual world products and services that the company are likely going to offer and from which they are hoping to make money from. So, um, so we're going to see the, continu- uh, the, the continuous, um, uh, I guess, back and forth and tug of war between the two interests. Um, uh, and, you know, the, the, the companies are perhaps more powerful force here, and uh, they're going to um, uh, define how the landscape will look like. And if by any pressure from regulators and the government that they have to do something in order to uh, assuage or, or, or alleviate that kind of pressure so that they can continue with their business, then they will do it. And that's going to benefit the users. But you know, as much as they, as they can get away from it, they, they're, they're going to try to pull the users to their own platform and services and you know, uh, maintain their market share. One of the things that <clears throat> obviously it's really interesting about the, the next 10 years and the emergence of the metaverse is the fact that at least in the US, you have really big technology companies and the regulatory environment is really trying to still figure out how to deal with acquisitions of big technology companies. And I think that will only become more important as we see more disruptors and more companies and new technology companies emerge in this new era. I'm curious in China, the government obviously has a very strong grip on the marketplace. Do you believe that that is actually going to help foster more innovation and help up upstart companies, new emerging companies to compete against the, the big technology companies in China? Do you think the fact that the government does have that really strong grip will encourage and nurture innovation and disruption? Or do you think the big technology companies in China will also be the ones that really shape the next era of the internet? Uh, me first. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I think the, uh, the government may think in a different way. That's my personal will. Uh, if you have some uh, big giant platform companies can be seen uh, easily and control easily uh, limited numbers of them, that's e- much easier for the government to control. <laughs> uh, but it, instead of you have you know too many companies doing the similar things and uh, uh, you know it's it's extremely hard for you to uh, get grasped by them and to give you give them regulations and find a way to control them. Uh, I think, especially, I think Chinese government want to be easier giving orders to a limited number of uh, giant platforms providing so-called, almost already providing the the society, the the service for the whole society, taking um, some of the roles should be, should be government doing, right? So, so I think, uh, the competitions 
if you are uh, doing some fundamental hard uh, uh, technology uh, breakthroughs, I think that's something uh, in the basic level, in the uh, in the hardest, the lowest level. Uh, that's something a Chinese government is uh, uh, very pleased uh, to see that happen. But um, in 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 terms of the social connectivities using the internet, these type of uh, platforms connecting people, I think uh, uh, I I don't think uh, the Chinese government has the uh, desire to bring more competitors uh, to to make their uh, regulations harder. That's my personal will. Um, I okay. I have a different uh, perspective, and uh, so you know, if you look at the venture capital environment in China, I would feel the next generation of Chinese tech startups are going to be in such a different environment from their predecessors because. Uh, think about how the U.S. are trying to limit and restrict uh, American v- uh, venture capital investment in China. Um, there is recently a bill uh, proposed in, in the U.S. Uh, about uh, reviewing and having greater oversight about uh, American tech investment, in, uh, American uh, venture investment into certain Chinese tech sectors. And when you think about the potential delisting of uh, Chinese companies from U.S. exchanges, that um, that uh, potential uh, very disruptive um, event uh, are are still you know hanging in the air with no um, uh, no uh, clear and definite uh, uh, outcome uh, yet. So it depends on um, the bilateral negotiations, and hopefully, if that gets resolved, then. That's that's another uh, uncertainty removed from China's uh, uh, venture space. But if it doesn't, then um, you know, from the capital supply side to the to the capital exit channels, uh, Chinese startups are going to be, uh, you know, they're going to uh, live in a, an environment where uh, most of the investment are likely going to come from uh, domestic uh, ch- uh, domestic capital providers and potentially a greater portion of those will come from government uh, by- backed funds um, and, and and when when they consider their exit channels um, you know without the US which is the most liquid the most um, uh, comprehensive and the most um, inclusive capital markets in the world if they have no access to that then they have a much more narrow uh, channels for exits so i think that p- places a lot of pressure um, perhaps downward pressure and negative uh, in, uh, influences on the next generation of chinese tech startups that includes you know a lot of those being metaverse uh, themed startups, um, so I, I think it's it's going to make their future much more uncertain. And having a greater influence from uh, government-backed funds are not good for innovation. They're not good for uh, for startups because you know government would like to um, you know perhaps have other alternative objectives with their investment. They're going to stimulate certain uh, sectors. They're going to have other political uh, objectives and that's going to get in the way. So so in, in all, to answer your question, Jan, I, I, I do not uh, feel uh, optimistic that because of Chinese government's um, uh, tough, uh, uh, tough uh, tech regulation, they're going to, you know, sort of clear, level the playing field and give Chinese startups a more uh, even hand. I, I, I think other elements are going to make them potentially uh, be in a much more disadvantaged position. This is actually a great segue to kind of the last question before we conclude the the episode. Um, and I know we touched upon it earlier, very very briefly. So I wanted to, you know, we wanted to allocate a, a, a proper section to that. You know, although this conversation could probably go for hours, of course, the implementation of crypto, blockchain, and more broadly Web three technologies is is a clear discussion point at the moment, and will continue to be most likely as it relates to the metaverse, mainland. China has been fairly strict on cracking down on crypto speculation, but Hong Kong still has a vibrant crypto industry 
Um, but even in mainland, we're still seeing NFT collectibles taking shape, even though now it's obviously a very uh, kind of dramatic shift in the market with, with the financial uncertainty. But, you know, we're still seeing NFT collectibles taking shape. And, and so it isn't a full on ban on all sorts of Web3 assets and technologies, at, at, at least from, from our vantage point. And so how do you think, if at all, Web3 will play a role in the emergence of a Chinese metaverse given this backdrop and, and, the, and the overall government perspective on the topic? Alex, maybe you can go first. <laughs> I think uh, lady first this time, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're letting the hard questions to me. Uh, okay. Um, well, I feel the the the, the Web three um, uh, blockchain decentralized uh, themed um, ideas are are not something that the Chinese government particularly like. Uh, I think on a lot of different levels, it's against their their way of managing a country and uh, managing their economy. Um, so I, I, I feel, um, you know, there may be some versions of, uh, uh, you know, if you look at crypto or digital currency, for example, you know, China will push its own central bank digital currency um, aggressively so you know you're going to see digital currency being adopted in China perhaps even faster and at an earlier pace uh, than other countries um, but China is, is not going to have an environment where you're going to see all sorts of different you know a whole universe of different um, digital uh, uh, cryptocurrencies and tokens having their own small thriving community and um, so so you know that perhaps will will not uh, happen in China and also you know when you talk about nfts uh, um, nfts in China are, are a little bit different you know especially um, uh, relating to trading of nfts uh, the government has pretty much banned um, active trading of any uh, NFTs in China. So you have to either hold them or give them to other people for free. Um, so, you know, when you think about an NFT being an important uh, conduit of value uh, trans trans transmission in a Web3 um, a future, then, you know, China's NFT will look very different. It might have a different name. It will function differently. Um, so, but they might still have something that looks similar to it. Um, and and also, um, uh, you know, decentralization uh, and you know the idea of code is law and 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 basically you know having no control and the governance is decentralized. And all these ideas are very counter very much counter to, to, to the central, highly centralized control that the Chinese government likes. So, um, so, so we, you know, we might see um, uh, something similar taking place in China, you know, in terms of uh, having NFTs, having a digital currency, but, but the whole picture, I feel, will look quite different from other places in the world. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, my opinion on uh, on this topic is uh, I think this is not only for China. Uh, I think everywhere uh, the same. No government will allow this decentralization wave, everything, to take down their uh, core power to be able to control the economy, uh, uh, specifically uh, the currency system, right? Uh, at least when, when you're not showing uh, the, the new uh, way of structuring uh, this whole thing, uh, you, you can serve the society better than the current system. I, I don't think uh, we are, are we are you know already proven the the new you know crypto uh, structure is better. Decentralized structure is all better. Uh, I, I think it's still not proven yet. And then the current crypto and Web three environment has their basic problems. It's, it's too ideal to rely on uh, a pure 
uh, automatic programs to manage every uh, to manage the very complicated large-scale human social interactions. And, and, you know, we have a lot of institutions running now in the current world, maybe not perfect, but works. We, 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 they all have a history and they all have reasons to be running like that way. Human history already proved uh, um, that abrupt revolutions based on utopian ideas most occasions will cause chaos instead of an ideal world, right? So I think it's not very special only to China. Uh, it's, it's universal to everywhere, every country. Uh, for if the government is serving the people good in the, you know, in, in maybe not perfect system already right now, before you show before you prove you can be better, uh, I think it's you know mostly. You know, I'm not very optimistic on they can you know the whole system can be all automatic like like Dow says you know the A re refers to automatic right. I think automatic you know uh, structure can be you know maybe served for a limited group of uh, elite people. Uh, uh, can make things more efficiently, but a uh, whole large scale human connections, interactions, very complicated uh, uh, relationships, I think uh, maybe not possible. That, that's my personal opinion. Thank you both for the very elaborate answer. I know this is not a trivial topic, especially in China, and, and it's very convoluted. And when you add Metaverse and Web3 and blockchain, it, it becomes even more convoluted. And so, you know, this has been a, a phenomenal conversation, hopefully one uh, out of, of many in the future, because we do believe that very much like the internet uh, has been, to some extent, divided between China and the rest of the world, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to witness what the Metaverse mean especially as we're talking about interoperable virtual worlds and virtual experiences, not only between platforms, but what does it actually mean when there is isolation across countries and how does that going to affect consumer experiences, consumer product, and ultimately sort of global connectivity. Um, and so, you know, both Matthew and I had a great enjoyment for the episode today. Alex, Nina, thank you so much for being with us. And, you know, we look forward to continue the conversation. Thank you. Well, I just want to say, like, at a last point, which is, I, I, I quite hope that the metaverse, um, you know, the ideal, idealized version of the metaverse could, you know, happen sooner rather than later, because I feel like, you know, my kids, every time when they play games, you know, for hours at a time, I, I just want to teleport them to China, where they are going to be banned from playing games on weekdays. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be a great thing if we can teleport, you know, our kids to to a place where they can be better disciplined. <laughs> oh, uh, to, to add something uh, on this topic, uh, I, I think a lot of people are a little bit uh, pessimistic on Metaverse because uh, it, it seems that Metaverse concept is driving people spend more time in virtue uh, world versus in the physical world, right? But I think I already mentioned virtual world, it doesn't equal to metaverse. So metaverse, the core uh, mission of metaverse should be have some link uh, to the physical world. When people are, you know, uh, immersive in the virtual world, do, do if you have metaverse as the concept, you, you maybe still have some connection into the offline physical world because that's a metaverse, that's a, not a virtual world. When, when your kids are playing games, they are immersively, you know, 100% immerse, immersed in virtual world. But, but metaverse is different. Metaverse is a link, maybe the last link before all the human will spend all 100% their time in, in virtual world like Inception, right? But before that uh, error uh, reached, Metaverse is the last string to give you some connection still uh, to the offline world. 
So just imagine we have this uh, uh, AR glasses, uh, easily, uh, lightly portable everywhere, every, everybody is uh, uh, wearing. You, you can play games offline, like uh, uh, Pokemon Go, right? You, you can do still go outside, still play some, uh, you know, sports uh, in the offline world. That, that's something and also you mentioned earlier about the metaverse another good um thing for metaverse is it can empower some uh serious to be business like productions like uh, uh maintaining uh, uh the machines or whatever remotely uh operations for for uh, for the doctors whatever and um uh, to add one small point on that, uh, our topic is about the specific thing different in China. I want to add one thing uh, onto the to be point is we're going to have a lot of more uh, 2G uh, business in China versus outside China or uh, other countries. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, you know local government, uh, local province government, they're trying to uh you know spend their money investing metaverse for a lot of uh, metaverse tech companies to be able to uh do something for for the government that that can be a, another different thing so to your point not all metaverse is going entertainment and uh, games is not metaverse okay yeah alex i i think we 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 definitely subscribe to that worldview i think to a large extent gaming is kind of a uh, an initial core use case of what this could look like, uh, but definitely as an iteration of the next internet, we believe it's going to access much wider sectors and industries. And then also for our listeners, you know, previously we wrote um, on our blog on Substack uh, a piece called um, "The Real Versus the Unreal," where we actually talk exactly about that, Alex. That the ultimate metaverse is really going to be at the intersection with the physical world, and there is going to be interoperability not only between virtual spaces, but also between virtual spaces and physical experiences and ultimately bringing all of these different experiences, connecting the different modalities, the different form factors to create something that is not isolating us from the physical world, quite the opposite. It's going to bring it all together. So totally. um, thank, thank you again. This has been a phenomenal episode. We're really excited to share it with our with our audience and community and and again thank you for taking the time Alex and Nina Thank you Thank you very much